0: What a busy, busy, busy day! That was just—I uh, I just loved that. It was just—it fa- was just fascinating. It really, really was. We have to do what they call hot changeovers. Uh, I used to do that with Alan Freeman. Not half pop because all right, out of unit one into unit two. Here's a little bit of Dave D. Dozy Beacon, you know who? And uh, it was just extraordinary. I made the mistake once of not turning down the volume on the headset. That alan freeman alan fluff freeman had been using i nearly blew my ears off the side of my face um, anyone in broadcasting would tell you always check the volume before you're using always somebody, somebody else's headset my next guest i apologize that we've kept you in the green room but be honest it's nice in there
1: it is very nice and and
0: and james's mum's charming
1: She's marvellous.
0: She's marvellous. Did it's you char- eat all the cakes? I'd I, 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 I leave
1: the cake till after. Oh, fair I've had a lovely cup of tea.
0: It's mean, well, a nice cup of tea. Uh, and, and she's just charming. And I could see you getting on. Right, now, how do I pronounce? I'm going to say Michael Lekovich. That's pretty good. Michael Lefkovich. Lefkovich. Can't you get people with, like, Jones or some, what? What is it with you? I know. Half what the, the hell is, the is the it with is you? Every week, the most complicated... Can I just call you Michael? You can, Michael. Perfect. Right now, you are wearing a T, and I apologise—we've kept you waiting, and it's damn rude. And I, 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 I'm sorry, but sometimes these things happen. It's like really- families need fathers, all right? You're wearing the T-shirt, which I guess is a kind of subtle plug. You've got the literature here. I want to hear all about it. Go on. Well, stage,
1: we sir, is yours. Thank you very much, Well, We are a national registered charity. We have been around for about 45 years. We were set up in 1974. And we're there to provide help, support, guidance for parents, most of them fathers, but not exclusively fathers, who are having difficulties seeing their children after family separation or divorce. And they're trying to make progress to, to be able to maintain a meaningful relationship. I mean, we don't consider ourselves a a father's or men's rights organization. We consider ourselves as being mostly interested in the welfare of the children who are deprived or potentially deprived of having loving parents as part of their life as they're growing up. Um, So that's kind of, in a nutshell, what what we try to achieve. We we also seek to see improvements in legislation and uh, policies that influence and affect the way that families operate um, not just when they're together, but when they're apart. See, that's why I was so glad to have you on the on men's radio station, because
0: I think people who dress up as Batman Superman and jump on a wall or a roof uh, just negate the sort of work and the sort of serious nature of
1: what, what this is about. That's just my personal view. I'm sure other people have other views. How did you get started? the charity well I, I think the charity was started way back then just because the need was there there were so many dads in particular who were under supported um, back in those days. There used to be um, legal aid for family, um, private family law, but even with fa- with legal aid, a lot of people didn't qualify on income or other be- reasons. Um, and actually, it's just so expensive; it's impossible for mo- many people. Most people can't afford to 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 turn to family law um, when when the cost of lawyers is two hundred and fifty pounds an hour, perhaps more. If you're lucky. Um, if you're lucky, yes, yes, yes. I mean, if, if you're using barristers, it can cost hundreds of pounds more. It can be costing three, four pounds an hour Um, yes it it is it is absolutely terrifying and and the financial aspect
0: of it of course is a huge influence on how far you're able to take and pursue your your
1: case and and how your heart feels as well there are so many people who actually start off when when things go wrong and they assume that the best thing to do is to contact the lawyer they get in touch with a solicitor and they start to go through the motions of going through the family law process Um, and then when they find that they've had one two three six 10 hearings and they've spent 20, 30, 40,000 pounds, um, sometimes considerably more. Uh And some of them just sort of say, well, hang on a minute, I've got a choice now, do I give up? Do I become my own litigant in person and start to manage my own proceedings? What should I do? Because actually um, decisions are being made, which are meant to be in the interests of children, but they're actually taking far, far too long. They're taking months often. It's not, not usually even weeks, it's usually months, occasionally years before courts reach decisions. And, and that's a frightful prospect. If you're paying for lawyers throughout, that's all the more frightful.
0: Now this being men's radio station, obviously we have our sister radio station, which is women's radio station as well. Uh, so I just wanna try and get the balance here because the name of your charity is Families Need Fathers. Is there still, in 2019, uh, a bias against men in this, in this area? In other words, the, a mother in the situation, by dint of being the mother, will be given uh, greater access or be more likely to have uh, the court on her
1: side? We think there is definitely still a bias. And the bias stems fundamentally from some of the people, the professionals involved in the system um, who tend to see things, see men in a, from a perspective of being sources of risk um, as opposed to seeing them as also being equally potentially sources of resource for the child, whereas mothers are much less likely to be seen in that light. But, but a lot of the problem stems from the fact that in 90% of cases, or over 90% of cases, mum is the one who retains the children at the time when the family separates. So as soon as that happens, whoever is the parent with care, the parent who's actually with, with whom the child is living at that time, the system will automatically tend to favour them anyway. You um, can be dad, but it, uh, it can be mum, uh, da- dad who gets that favour, but on, almost always, in over 90% of cases, it's mum. And and the courts are then very ineffective at trying to arrange contact arrangements for the children, um, for, for the non-resident parent, so to speak. So, so there is an in, intrinsic bias, but the bias can often start, not just in the family justice system, it actually starts much earlier. Um, so for example, um, these days, when most parents provide both care and work for um, the, the basic necessities of the family, there's not too many families these days where mums and dads don't both work. Mm. And, and yet, for example, we, we have a system of support which still treats father as a provider and mother as the caregiver. So for example all child related benefits tend to be given to one parent only almost always the mother they don't split and split and share them mm. um when parents separate um whoever even if they if they if they manage to agree amongst themselves that they're going to share care of their children more or less 50-50 the one who receives the benefits also receives child maintenance not the other way not the other way around right. so even if the care is four days to three days per week almost three and a half days each one parent gets the benefits one parent gets the maintenance the other gets nothing that's irrespective of the relative income of the parents so you've got a system which is actually geared up from day one and actually even before that let's take it a step further back if you go for example at uh, parental leave typically the the government will subsidize um, If you've got two parents earning average income of 27 or so thousand pounds, Mm -hmm. the the state subsidy for parental leave will be about seven and a half thousand pounds for the mother. When you say parental leave, sorry, what what does that mean? Uh, 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 Maternity leave. Oh, maternity leave. So so support for maternity leave will be seven and a half thousand pounds um, from from the state. The support from the government for paternity leave amounts to 290 pounds. That's a 96% gender pay gap for want of a better word
0: that, that is offered but they would argue uh, and i'm just i'm just positing this i'm not mm-hmm. saying that this is my particular point of view but they would argue that mum's the one in hospital mom's the one who goes to labor and mom's the one who gives birth and dad is gonna hang in around a bit i mean that would be the crude way of putting it so i guess that's how they do their um
1: Uh, financial calculations? Well, I think, you know, the the world is changing. And I think the fact, of course, that the mother's given birth and needs to have an opportunity to recover, I think Mm. we can totally accept that. I think there's a big difference though between offering a father 145 pounds a week for two weeks Um, towards their paternity leave now what's interesting is that in countries where they've moved away from that and they've been seeing they've been moving towards a more equal system so take some of the scandinavian countries like sweden where they now offer 90 days of non-transferable paternity leave for for fathers um, 90 days in one hit I can't remember exactly how it can be spread, but I think it can be spread in the first year of the child's life. So you can, so the father, as much as the mother can take three months at 70, 80% of salary. If you're
0: running a business, I'm sorry to, Mm. I
1: I always say, you know,
0: you want to follow, by the way, if you want to join in this conversation before before I answer that that Mm. question, 0203 290 4411. James, any miracle by chance that we could play that? Uh, just because I enjoy it. 0203 290 4411. If you're going through a difficult time personally with uh, uh, children related issues in your own relationship, marriage, or partner, whatever it might be, phone in and talk to talk to Michael because uh, he's a very knowledgeable fellow and we'd love to take your calls. Right, you can play, play, play the little jingle, amuse me, come on. Hey, that is great. Michael, um, what I was going to say is if you're running a business and, uh, Mm. you know, the guy says, oh, I've got to take uh, 90 days off, by the way, it's like, what? It's like, really? you've got to take 90 days you've had a baby you know loads of people have well, babies it's like uh, we,
1: we we could start at less i mean the women in equality select committee last year recommended that fathers should be given funded non-transferable leave of one month now the government rejected that on some spurious cultural reasons probably really financial um but culturally they, what, do
0: they, what do they say, Fascinating. Well, what do they say? Uh, they they,
1: they kind of felt this was not our culture but actually this wasn't a culture in Scandinavia either if you go back 40 years but it is now and so they've changed it now the women in equality select committee weren't doing it because they were fundamentally sort of saying let's support dads they were doing it because they recognized that the countries where they've got uh, better support for father's involvement early stages of a child's life also had the smallest gender pay gaps and that was their primary Mm. motivation so if you go to you know, Sweden and Finland and some of those countries, you see that the, the gender pay gap is far, far lower. The employer doesn't have any particular interest in for protecting a man in a particular role versus a woman um, who might be of an age where they might have children because both are going to take significant amounts of time off to take care of children. And th- all of those changes have resulted in a culture change which means that whether you're a dad or a mum, the employers generally don't bat too much of an eyelid if you have to leave the office at 3.30 to pick up the kids. So you have a greater sharing of the responsibility between Mm. both from day one, and kind of all the evidence that says that if if dads are as involved with their children from day one, they stay involved, whether the family are together or apart. Finland is an amazing example, actually, where um, in 2017, men um, actually start for the they're the first country where men actually spent more time looking after children than women. Eight minutes a day more, so not a huge difference, but in effect they have achieved qu- a quality of caring and financial responsibility between the parents. But I think from our point of view, the issue is that all of these things have had a much a massive effect on how people parent their, their children once they split up. When they're no longer together, they are far more likely to remain involved in their, cho- in their children's life um, without having to necessarily go to family courts why do, because i'm curious, which is one of the reasons we set up a radio station mm. of course is
0: why are you so personally invested in this
1: well i mean i don 't want to talk too much about my own case and work with no, my no, own no, situation no, I don't, don't, but I but think but the, but the people generally. who come the people who become involved and become volunteers and activists and workers with families need fathers we we come here a lot of us um because we've been through it. We have seen how difficult the system is, how unjust the system is, how biased it can be, how lacking in support it is for men and fathers in particular in supporting them in maintaining their relationships. You become involved when you, um, if if you're somebody, for example, who's been through the family justice system and the people who um, come to us who have used family lawyers have on average spent over 20,000 pounds on their family law cases. And then they've got that precious order. They've got the order which says, you're going to see your kids alternative weekends and half of holidays. They might think that that's not good enough. They might think that they should have better than that. But they've got their order. They're going to see their children next weekend. And then they don't come. And then the order is not complied with. What do you do? Well, the only choice you then have is to go back to court Pay more money. Pay more money. Go back. Make it happen. They go all over again. Pay somebody again, or have to do it yourself again. And through all the stress and horror of that, mm. you go back to court. And and there are over six thousand people who are replying every year for enforcement of orders that have been made in why the child's the, best interest. Why the orders?
0: Uh, 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 and I totally hear what you're saying because you mm. know you're emotionally set yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I'm going to see my kids this weekend.
0: Yeah, and mm. then nothing. So it's like falling off a, a, off a cliff emotionally. You know, you go from a big high to a big low, I would imagine. Uh, thank God I haven't, uh, I haven't been in that situation and because uh, it would be horrible. Um, but why is it that it's, you know, the court has said X, Y, Z. You know, look, I come from the, the point of view, you park on a single yellow line for 20 seconds, you get a fine. If you don't do it, it goes up, and then you get some gorilla on your door taking away your telly. So why is it, if you've gone to all of this, Palava, and you've got the order and you're there with your you know mr kipling cakes already on the table and the kids don't turn up why is it not uh, enforceable
1: why is that well it's not enforced i think for several reasons but one of them is that judges tend to feel that in putting a sanction on the child on, on, on the putting a sanction on the parent who's not complying with the order their options are things like a financial sanction yeah. Um, they could, in theory, make somebody do community service. Um, they they could, in theory, jail somebody, but they're not a bit going extreme. to. Sorry. A Little bit extreme. It's either little. Well, that's exactly the point. <laughs> yes. That actually nobody really wants to jail somebody no, who's looking after it's a it's child. Hopeless, it's, hope, yeah.
0: it's a hopeless idea. It's and a, and so also putting in a financial penalty when you're both struggling, as everybody is these days. Everybody, you know, that's not going to help. Uh, so i i see but they couldn't just uh, i know this is a huge amount of police time and we've you know the police are few and far between they can't knock on the door and say uh, mrs jones you know mr jones is waiting for tommy and mary
1: and where are they in some countries that could happen that could happen in i think i've, I've heard that can happen in france it can happen in israel there are some countries where if your children are not made available within a certain time frame of the order, the Mm. stipulation, then you can call the authorities and they will actually make it happen. And I don't think they have to call on them that often because everybody knows that that's the system and that's what will happen. Of course, if you Um, were a little kid and you saw
0: (laughs) uniformed police at your front door, you're thinking, wait a minute, I was going to see my dad. Now the police have turned up and I've got to see my dad. Mm. It kind of takes away the, the sucks the joy out of the whole situation, wouldn't it? Um, uh, I guess it does. I don't know. You guess what? So, if, well, you, if a policeman you, turned up on mm. your mum's doorstep, well, she'd probably love it because it's uniform. But <laughs> there you go, putting put that, <laughs> put that to one side. Putting that one Obviously, <laughs> oh, two of you do come in. Um, you, you know, it would you little little James would not be. Your, you know, you're 24 now; you're probably over it. But I'm a child of divorce. I parents, know you are. I'm trying to gingerly push you into that. Put, pushed you into that uh conversational direction trying
2: to trying to think back on it i couldn't think of a time where uh, you know mum mum used to drop us off on a friday dad used to drop us back off on a sunday sort of thing And i could never think of a situation where it was always seemed to be agreed that you know we'd see dad at the weekend kind of thing I, but, and then again at the same time there was also nothing that said if you don't then something will happen and I feel like maybe that is what's going on in some cases. It's like there's a... Because obviously divorces are a messy process. I mean, my parents still don't talk and I'm 24. So it's like... I'm.
0: I, I well, can't. no one can get a word in with your mum. That's probably
2: one of the problems. That's <laughs> yeah. what, it's not like they don't talk, they just can't talk. Exactly. So trying to communicate with mum is not <laughs> the easiest thing. Not really, so. No.
0: <laughs> you, <know, laughs> you spent time with her <laughs> I, look you're still recovering michael to be honest about it uh, she treated me very well so i don't she's, know um she is such a i've boon. not met your dad of course she's such a very, a very quiet man neither, <laughs> he never used to be probably probably had a voice the, uh, she's such a boon to this that we absolutely love it now there's some fantastic stats here which oh, i'm going to read out which you kindly Provided because I think they're important to show the uh, the scale, the scope, and the severity of the problem. There, there are uh, eighty thousand families every year in the UK that break up. Eighty thousand—I mean, that is just monstrous, right? I've been, uh, look, I've been divorced myself. I'm no angel, I, I, so I can relate to all of this. There are around fifty thousand child-related applications to family courts every year. How, the, M- Michael? You're a professional in this uh, in this area. So, how on earth does a court? The court system already stretched to squeaking point. How does it deal with 50,000 cases?
1: 50,000 It is cases. struggling. But actually, every effort that has been made by the government to try to reduce that number has backfired. They have tried over the last decade or so to really discourage people going to family court. And they, what they've done is they doubled the fees for making an application to the court to £215. That's with, just for starters. That's for £215 15 you just, gotta Just so to just make an application, okay. yeah. Now, you know, I mean, a lot of people can afford that, but an awful lot of people can't, can't afford, afford even no, the no, application no. form. So right. they, they, they doubled the fee and made it really expensive. But, of course, are you going to give up on your children, whom you've loved and looked after every day because of a fee of £215? No, No, you're not. not. So that didn't put people off making applications. Um, Then they decided, for example, that they would um, make it a precondition of family justice that you first seek mediation. Mm. And so there's a form. When you fill in the form, you have to tick whether you have attempted mediation. And unless there's been some serious allegation of abuse, then the expectation is that you will go to mediation. What is mediation? Like sit down in front of a couple's therapist? And yeah, a little bit like that. I mean, yeah. they're not necessarily trying to bring you back together again because this isn't about counselling. But this is about providing professional support to help you to come to an agreement about the future of how you're going to manage your family children and your family life Mm. after separation without recourse of the court and it's actually a really good thing to do if you can come to both jointly come to an agreement that's the hard part that is the hard part (laughs) and it requires sufficient goodwill but it only takes one party to not turn up at mediation or to turn up and simply say no to everything not be prepared to give or take anything and then you get to the position where you have no choice you have to go beyond so now you have wasted If if you're in that unfortunate situation, you've now wasted another two months perhaps of time where you've not seen your children. You've spent quite a lot of money on mediators, Mm -hmm. um, only for the mediator to provide you with a form which says, no, we can go no further. This mediation has broken down. And then you go to family court. So, Michael, let let me ask you, if... (coughs) Is a mother... Because I I don't know. Mm. So it's not
0: a loaded question. It's a question because I don't know the answer. Is a mother allowed to say, under no circumstances am I letting my children, kind of a pejorative phrase, my children straight away, uh, see the father. I'm, I'm just not having it. He's an awful fellow. Can, you do,
1: can somebody do that? The question is, was she allowed and whether she can? She yes. can, and, and she does. And the thing is, there's no real consequences of not doing so. So you get past that. So, so you know, you shouldn't. You, if both parents have probably have parental responsibility in law, but parental responsibility doesn't automatically give you the right to see your child. Isn't there some
2: exceptions to the rule? I mean, I remember a friend of mine's dad went to jail, and it was like, and then they got divorced after that. Wouldn't that be one of those situations where it's like he can never see the father? Because obviously he's a bit of a bad dude
1: well i mean yes if there is an order which says that you should not fear your children because it's not in their best interest and absolutely right you you then don't and you shouldn't but and and indeed if you as a parent think that the other parent is a threat and a danger to the child then actually you would be negligent in your responsibility to that child if you allowed if you were to let them and to let them go to somebody who you think is going to harm and hurt them um so so in that you have every right to take that kind of action the issue then is how you resolve that, it, how you were determined whether or not that there's truth in that. Have you perhaps got a distorted view? You know, some people have got mental health issues and difficulties which mm. cause them to feel paranoid about their ex partners. So somebody then has to cut through all of that and work it out. And if you've not been able to do it in mediation, then you end up with no alternative, really, but to go to a family court. It's um, really very interesting when we get a load of people. Obviously, this is week...
0: Well, how many weeks have we been going, James? 15, 16? This week's 15, 16? Yeah. something. We uh, are week 16. Week 16, since we started. Right? So we have a, a terrific input of, uh, of people coming in, the guests, and and I'm always blown away by, this, by the standard and the, the, the communications and everything. You are... Director of Communications for Families Need Fathers. And boy, oh boy, if anyone deserved the job, I gotta say, because you're, uh, it's very impressive. Uh, Don't do this on Radio 4, we're not Radio 4. I deliberately tried to deconstruct how we do radio. And it's really impressive that you, you argue with such passion and you argue with such clarity, and that's really what a director of... Commun- I mean, I've met a lot of directors of communications who honestly couldn't write a three, three pints of milk and a yoghurt, please. Um, so bravo, you, for doing that. Um, I want to bro- slightly broaden the conversation, and it comes down to crime. Do you feel, in your experience... And looking back on the 45 years that this charity has been going families in need fathers uh, that a home without a dad means there's a more likelihood i'm trying to put it in less pejorative terms a uh, more likelihood of of the children going awry let's leave it like that
1: yeah i mean we we it's not an area we actively are overly I, get, involved I get i get with. that totally at the same time All the research that that, that I've seen and there's been a lot of work done on this does suggest that um, young men in particular suffer from a lack of effective role models from a lack of paternal role models in their family homes. And when you look at the prison population, the vast majority of the prison population is made up of um, young men who have not had a father in their lives. So um, now in some cases there may be good reasons why that's the case um and and other role models haven't come forward or been made available to them but in many cases of course there are simply um fathers have been excluded from the involvement of their children's lives and and they hurt and they suffer and they play up and um sometimes they opt out of behaving as decent human beings and in their whatever's going on in their psychology and I think what's be I happening think these
0: these stats when they're looked at in retrospect will be very very telling um are you all right to stay on for a little bit mm, you sure, sure certainly, yeah? yes oh good good because I never know you might be dashing off to catch a flight to you know New York I mean why, I never presume uh, I'm talking to the director of communications for families need fathers Michael lekovich have I got that vaguely right pretty good no no good do it again
1: Michael Lefkovich, hmm.
0: Lefkovich. I told you, James. Oh, told you, James. You, you did it me. Polish
1: parents. What can I say? <laughs>
0: uh, change it to Smith and make my life easier. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, right. We'll be back after this short commercial
1: break. You're listening to Men's Radio Station. Where men really
0: talk. If this show was any faster, I'd, uh, I'd spontaneously combust, I think. Basically, we're just, just go, <smart noise> uh, I'm Russ Kane. This is Men's Radio Station, rocking the decks as always. Boy Wonder producer James Blake and James's mum looking after <laughs> teas and coffees. Teas, coffees, and catering. She has been the biggest boon that we've ever had. This has just been just been great. I mean, I'm not being rude to Howard. Uh, Howard is lovely, and, and we phantom. we love the feathers in his hat. But frankly, James's mum, the catering is like unsurpassed. Right? Is that fair to say? Uh, look, you can know. speak. You can speak. You can speak freely. Speak. You, <laughs> had you had a moment. You had a moment. The doors closed. <laughs> that, the trains left the station. We're moving that ship has before, sailed. Right. Before
2: we move on, before we move on, what you want to what? read out? Uh, we do have a comment from Facebook from E Phantom, which says, "Mothers are always given first concern with parental rights and visiting rights. It is unfair
0: how huh. mothers always <laughs> seem to." <help."> Whoa! <laughs> what? Your mother is unbelievable. <laughs> what the hell? God all my that's she's all right. are you all right? She's she said, Would I like a cup of tea? I said I said Mrs. Blake that I call her Mrs. Blake. That- that's her name. That would be lovely. She sneaks in with a cup of tea, puts it down on the studio desk. She then walks out the open door and manages to fall over. Completely <laughs> got- flying. One shoe still in the studio. God knows where the other shoe is. We don't know. And now I can hear screeches from the corridor.
2: And we have it on camera as it's well. It's all... <laughs> oh, that'll go viral.
0: Yeah. That'll Thanks. Go viral. But at least you didn't draw attention to yourself. And that's the main thing about uh, supportive uh, help. Gee, I hope you're OK.
1: Yeah.
0: Don't forget to write. Should we try and regroup?
1: What?
2: Wow.
0: Do you know, how the hell you've grown up the way that you even have is, be honest, James, a miracle no
2: it's great it She was great love. she's, she's great
0: she just marches to her own drum and I was steadily following you, behind you say well, right should we try and get back on to, you don't get this on the today program John Humphreys is a good one. Oh, my assistance has just fallen over in the studio uh, but back to you Prime Minister right so uh, Michael Lefkowitz very good thank you See James, that's why I'm top broadcaster. <laughs> a director of Communications for Families Need Fathers. And we are joined. <sighs> Ollie Lester, uh, completely different. Uh, a health coach. I, you know, you guys, you come into the studio, you health guys, you always look so bloody fit. <laughs> every week, it's like, every, you know, we, we have a lot of you guys because you're, we're very interested in what you do because it's all about well-being. When it going to come back to all about the well-being, about children and sex. But you guys, you've got a, an aura of, of, like, fitness, and it's like... James and I get quite depressed, to be honest with you. James, I, always, and I look at each other going, oh, Christ.
2: You always sit up straight, don't you? Yeah, they, they sit up, in, they've got the,
0: they got the pose, they've got the whole thing going on, and I just sit here slumped like an old guy, and you sit there slumped like a young guy, <laughs> quite honestly. Tell us a bit about yourself, Ollie. Well, thank you so much for coming in. I mean, it's No, it's a pleasure. No, we never take it for granted.
3: Yeah, so I'm a health coach by trade now. Um, and I, yeah, I love what I do, so it's all about empowering people to upgrade their own health all through habit changes. And it's bringing more awareness to daily choices because we get good at what we do often. And if we're practicing bad habits over time, these can create ill health. And our our culture really doesn't prioritize the basics of good health, which are real food, uh, prioritizing sleep and movement. And we're pretty poor at managing our stress. And
0: <sighs> I, I would be your number one patient for all okay. of those things, because all my—I have just ticked. Uh, my sleep is rubbish. I'm stressed off my face most of the time. And the only time I'm not stressed is actually <laughs> either walking the dog or in the studio because I, I love doing—love doing both. Or when I'm writing. Uh, right, let's try and break it down a little bit. What were you doing before you were a health? I'm always curious how people sure. get to where they are. That's why I asked. That's why I, I asked you, Michael. How did you get to where you are? You're now director of communications, but. You're drawing a discreet veil. You're not going to draw a discreet veil because you're further away from me, <laughs> so you can't <laughs> hear me. So, go on. How, do, how did you get to be doing this? Was the fitness always your thing? Or? No, no, not at all.
3: I worked for a travel company for 11 years, and whilst it was, yeah, it was really good fun, and I met a lot of good people, hmm. and, yeah, regular travel trips. Oh, so, yeah, rough. I experienced... Oh, that sounds bad. Yeah, but, I mean, day-to-day, I was quite unfulfilled at the end of it, and wanted something more... Uh, in the realm of helping people, yeah, and yeah, something was sort of burning inside that, uh, yeah, so I, I eventually quit my job and went traveling for a year in uh, Nepal and India and Poland. And yeah, it's just a weird w- combo, it is, yeah, I yeah. I'm gonna
0: say India, Nepal, Vietnam, Cambodia, yeah. no, Poland.
3: I'll touch on that, but yeah, oh, okay. I, I, I first went to Nepal, did yeah. loads of sort of volunteer teaching. I was a trekking in the mountains I did some retreats uh like meditation and learn about buddhism and did a yoga course in india um and just you know try to experience stuff that I'd never done before um yeah meditation is something I really got involved in and the first time I did a retreat there was it's called vipassana meditation where it's 10 hours a day of silence oh, and stillness God, no
0: no yeah. no 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 I could I'd go up the hole with that I yeah bear it's,
2: uh, it's james could you stand that i could do silence. i don't know if i could do stillness <laughs> i reckon i could not speak maybe for yeah 10 hours. you've got to be joking me but michael still, I'd have could to you move. do that
0: could you sit that be impossible you're director of communications <laughs> you fail at the first <laughs> fence
2: i'd have to move though
3: i
0: well, couldn't sit, move still. I'd gotta sit like, there and just yeah
3: it's just a mental and physical challenge which yeah oh, I, it was man. the hardest thing i've ever done uh, you have a sort of a roller coaster every day of mostly negative stuff going around your head um, yeah, but it's the thing. moments where you Do you get bored stupid just sitting oh, there doing it's, nothing? It's, uh,
0: it, yeah, you do. And it's just a mental challenge to well, get at least back you should admit that, thank goodness, because <laughs> yeah. I thought it would just be me. But and, and what is the I've got to stop and digress sure. on this a little bit so you're sitting there for 10, ten hours with breaks it's not all God yeah, you get up to walk yeah. around and have a bit of breakfast I think, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to break it down into like when I fly to LA which is quite frequently because I just get yeah. friends there it's 11, 11 and a half hours right if I didn't have endless films to watch and and stuff I would go I, well I'd open the door at 36,000 feet just leave because it would drive me <laughs> so potty wow and at the end of this, uh, hoo ha! Yeah, were, were, you a better, were you? I'm not being facetious. I mean, yeah. were you a better person? Did you have a greater understanding of stuff, or what? I think just a better
3: understanding of how your mind works, which is the the goal of it, and how your narrative has a big impact on your, your narra- well being. Narrative. Your, you know, the, the voice in your head.
0: Ah, yes. Because um, I'd sit there for ten hours going, "You are crap." Yeah and many hours
3: of that, so like that you
0: would james i know you would immediately you'd, you'd would. sit you'd sit there definitely. for 10 hours going god i'm rubbish i'm yes. such a self-critic which is yeah. really well you bad. are you're very hard on yourself yeah. mind you i've seen you working <laughs> frankly you're not that wrong so wow I and then why. were you able because this is a uh, very germ- all right i'm being a little personal here mark you have got to bear with me here right but ollie were you able to then change the narrative slowly and surely it, it's it's not
3: done overnight and if you're used to having that negative narrative it's not going to change why is it
0: i've asked many i've got uh we've had a, a lot of people like like yourself who are doing this and it's all good stuff it, and i never find it repeats itself and and there's obviously key things which you all touch on in, 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 your, in your various and individual ways that you spin it but why is it that we beat ourselves up so why do we never at three in the morning when you wake up go do you know, this is pretty good i've done this and i've done that things are okay things are all right why do you sit there and go why did i ever do that oh my god what was i think why why is it the narrative is so negative in most cases not in every case i can't speak for everyone on the planet but
3: yeah i think it's just how the the mind or ancient brain is designed to uh, be aware
2: of negative things that
0: right, but it's just beating ourselves up. we're just yeah. beating ourselves it doesn't up. make any sense does it it makes no sense it doesn't
2: o- help us it's an evolutionary thing i think right it's the, to help us look for the risks yeah, be, like, aware of yeah fears. be aware mm-hmm. of fears uh, and, and stuff be da- uh, yeah be aware of it's, dangers if you're if you are always saying oh yeah i'm gonna do this because it's good you're not looking out for the predators are you Mm. And that's
0: kind of where it comes from. Well, let me let me help you here. Never go into the music industry. There you go. I've just saved you an absolute <laughs> fortune and seven years of wasted time. So uh, there we are. If you get nothing else out of today's show, that's it. Don't touch <laughs> it with a barge pole. So, Ollie, right. So you come back from 10 hours of doing... yeah, <laughs> drive me mad. And then tell us about the... I was really interested in your opening comments about the habits that we get into that are... No good for
3: us, yeah. I mean, habits really make us or break us. And having spent 10 months by default living very healthily, learning about stress management with yoga and meditation, and breathing, and living yeah, with the food choices available in Nepal and India, it's all fresh and it's all, uh, yeah, fresh ingredients, a lot of vegetables and fruits. Mm and we prioritized sleep i wasn't there to you know go out partying every night so sleep was prioritized and i felt a lot better for that i was active every day i was living out how much
0: sleep were you was it suggested that one should get
3: oh i mean i was getting eight hours night but it wasn't a a case of going to bed at three in the morning like uh, you know or beyond midnight i was always pretty much in bed by 10 pm um, which is yeah i'd never uh practice that sleep pattern before in our western world yeah. um and yeah having come back from 10 months of yeah by default living really healthily i came back in december 2017 in the run-up to christmas to the uk and it was just you know full-on boozing and eating processed garbage. junk garbage yeah and consequently felt pretty rubbish quite quickly and therefore it just you woke- felt yourself deteriorating
0: yeah yeah, within a few weeks and of just getting back, physically and mentally, or just yeah.
3: phys- both. Because yeah, I realised quite quickly that uh, your foods and your drink choices have a big effect on how you think and how you feel and how you look. And I just had more awareness completely about yeah, uh, preparing freshly, uh, yeah, fresh foods, and drinking
0: a lot more water than I was used to. Uh, Is that just, a myth? How much, how much of this water thing is, is a myth and how much of it is for real? You know, if you're on the train and you see Americans, you think, well, God, what do they think? They're crossing the Gobi Desert. You're at yeah. Oxford Circus. How rough can it be? You know? yeah. They're clutching water like their life depends on it.
3: Yeah, I think it, it's certainly important. I mean, it's a good practice to wake up and have a glass of water uh, because you're immediately dehydrated uh, when you wake from sleep. Worst thing to do is a coffee, right? because it yeah. dehydrates you more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Welcome start. to my world, gentlemen. You know, I love a coffee, but I'd start the day with a pint of water and then have
0: a coffee. A pint? Yeah. But I have things to water. do. I need to leave the house. I, I have a pint a of the- water. That's it. I mean, you want to have a meeting with me, you'd be standing outside the bathroom door where <laughs> rust, you ever going to come out, I'm going to go. Not not in any time soon, to be honest with you. That would be me. Okay. Yeah, but, it's, it's but just... i can't help it i'm serious i'm serious <laughs> i sat the day with a pint of water there's no way i'm going to jump on the train have a meeting with james or anybody else i couldn't i'd be completely screwed it doesn't have to be a pint i don't think you know, you know? yeah start How with you half a pint i'll meet you halfway have a glass of water yeah,
3: yeah. I can do that. yeah whatever works i mean it, it's just a good practice to get into and if it, it's starting a new habit is it, breaking it down and starting small right and it's just marginal gains like this and just the more you practice these new habits and breaking them down into very small manageable manageable steps like having a glass of water yeah. don't don't have a point if you don't want a point just just start with that, not that and I then don't, when not that you I v-
0: don't want i just know what's gonna happen <laughs> okay <If>
3: yeah it's... <laughs> whatever works for the individual because we're yeah. all different we've all got different lifestyles
0: and different jobs and different beliefs about ourselves and about the world And uh, Now Michael here, Director of Communications for Family Needs Fathers, obviously it's in a stressful, it's a stress the, everything he deals with has to be stressful because the very situ, the very nature of what he does is based on stress because a family is splitting up and children involved which is always ghastly whichever way, you set off with good intentions but it always ends up crap, can't help it stress is affecting so many of us in part of your techniques because uh, it's of much more interest than you know running around the block and all the rest of it i think for a lot of people listening on men's radio station what's the your ways of handling and combating stress
2: glass of
3: water <laughs> uh yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: yeah um a pint of water
3: yeah for me i've learned a lot about breathing and it is such a powerful thing that not many people have much awareness around and coming back to the when i went to poland uh, ah yes, <laughs> I, well done. I listened to many podcasts while I was in Asia, and Wim Hof was a guy who who kept cropping up in these podcasts. And
2: explain, uh, I know who Wim Hof is, but explain a little bit about yeah. him because he's a really cool dude.
3: Yeah, he's amazing. Um, he's a uh, he's known as the Ice Man. He has, I think, it's twenty six world records for various cold exposure feats. So he can he stayed in an ice bath for two hours without his core body temperature dropping. He's climbed up to. 7,000 metres on Mount Everest just wearing a pair of shorts and boots. And he's developed this <laughs> uh, technique the of the controlling his body temperature all through mindset and breathing, breathing. Practices.
0: Yeah, yeah Michael, and I, uh, Michael and I are looking at each other like, what the... Yeah, yeah. Are you it, kidding it's, me?
3: Uh, If you don't know of him... And no, I don't. Yeah, I, don't. I can give you a YouTube documentary that uh, I, I've watched about 10 times now. Um, and it's incredible. And on based on that, uh, whilst I was in India... I saw he did this retreat uh, in Poland when I was uh, coming back. Uh, So I did this in uh, December 2017 and did all these amazing breathing techniques, which are very simple, but have such a powerful effect on your chemistry and your biology. And we did loads of uh, ice dips in ice baths and icy rivers in Poland in December and we ended up climbing a mountain.
0: This, you do this? I'm You're nodding. It's incredible. I'm I mean, up for Michael and I, up I for will it. be on the side of the riverbank with towels. I'm up for it. <laughs> up, because Michael and I are not going. Have you never done the, the freezer? No, obviously not. No, you know I don't even, you even go near the frozen food section. <laughs> it's too chilly in Tesco. <laughs> don't
1: even open the freezer. I don't. No, I, don't, I, know, I people went to, to do Poland in January a few years ago, and it was minus 25 degrees C. I went in a little jean jacket, and my relatives fortunately gave me this very thick coat because otherwise I wouldn't have survived the railway station. No, Precisely. (laughs) Precisely. I don't know
0: how they do it. So, what can you teach us? uh, Talk us through. You can't teach us because that's ridiculous. But could you talk us through some of the breathing stuff? It's actually quite simple. Oh, okay.
3: Um, And it's really a a, a very big inhale, starting from the the belly, then the chest, and up into the head. And you repeat sort of cycles of these up to sort of thirty to fifty of those times, and then you exhale everything when you've done sort of 30 to 50 breaths and you find that you can hold your breath without any air in your lungs for more time that you can think and it's putting together these cycles and at the end of these few cycles you can hold your breath without any air in them for you know over one or two minutes um, and it's, it's ch- changing your chemistry and after a few rounds of these your brain is in a better place uh, you feel more relaxed and you're more in tune
2: with your
0: body really? Why? It, yeah i
2: mean it's something to do with oxygen isn't it yeah it, ox- it's oxygen circulation like yeah, if you yeah. listen to his podcast he does explain it there is some yeah. good good facts behind it it's because you're getting more oxygen flowing through to your brain and different parts of your body you're feeling them more receptively or like you can feel them more because they're more empowered by yeah. the oxygen or
0: something like that mm. and it's really See, i'm quiet. thinking the op i'm thinking the opposite I, i'm not technical okay but i'm thinking the opposite here that if, you, if you're you're not breathing you know, it's not going to be too good. But,
2: but you are, aren't you? You're just taking these really long, like, breath to the head and then, like, these short exhales or something. I don't know. I'm not the one that went on the, the course with him.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of deep inhales, yeah. sort of
2: hyperventilation almost. And then
3: you're exhaling everything. And you, yeah, like I said, you can, you can go a long time, more, a lot longer than you can think without any air in your lungs. And it's just. And your, this helps stress. Yeah. Completely. I did a, a few rounds of this, actually, in, uh, in the church in St Mark's uh, Square in Covent Garden about an hour ago. Just to, uh, Did you? Yeah, it was great. You weren't stressful about coming here,
2: were you?
3: Oh, I was just, you know, had a... James isn't that Pe-
2: bad. Russ, people get nervous,
0: you know. <laughs> yeah, I never it's think in, of that. It's no, it's to be a a honest, bit, uh, I, never, uh, I never think of it. <laughs> I just think, oh, Sunday, good. I'm going to meet some interesting <laughs> people and have a good chat. Okay, and are there other stress things? Because I, 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 everybody I know is just so... Damn stressed, and I put myself pretty much at the top of that list. I don't mm-hmm. pretend. I don't pretend otherwise. You know, I, I talk it and I walk it at the same time. Yeah, you know, I don't. Yeah. I wish I could sit here with some marvelous vista and give wisdom, but no, I'm right in the middle of it with everybody else. You know. Yeah. And what? So what else? Breathing. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's meditation is a big one for me it since I've uh, st- oh, yeah,
3: originally sort of dived into it a couple of years ago. Um, I've played with a few different meditation techniques, but I tried to practice uh, sort of five to twenty minutes each morning. Uh, before I've
2: turned my phone on is uh, this before or after the glass of water
3: you're obsessed <laughs> uh, with this water after James.
0: after the glass of water <laughs> after yeah, the water yeah. oh man so, I've been um, meditating in the bathroom
3: <laughs> <guess>. <laughs> no and, and it, meditation to a lot of people sounds a bit uh, scary maybe or no um, yeah, it's not scary or yeah a bit I mean yeah Hippy dippy. Yeah, exactly. And um, awesome. when you say meditation, it's like saying, I'm going to play sports because there's a lot of different sports and there's a lot of different meditation styles. Mm. And it's about experimenting and trying which one works for you.
0: Now, back in the 90s, was it the 90s? Maybe the early 2000s, I don't know. Uh, so I did transcendental meditation. Mm. I was recommended it by someone whose opinion I was uh, respected. And uh, yeah, I found it really, I've got completely out, totally, totally out of that. The, the loop, I don't, I don't, do it, but it, it did help. So I don't, I don't poo poo the idea. It was, um, I, I said to the person, I said, if I see one saffron robe or one pair of sandals, I'm out of here. And the guy who trained me was wearing a three piece blue pinstripe suit. So that's the problem. Think,
2: that's the problem. I think of meditation, isn't it? Is well, that it comes with that stigma of oh, a saffron I just, robe? Oh, and oh, be, this is like...
0: garbage. And it was so weird. Uh, so it was a week of, of of sort of training, which I did this course. And at the end, I had to bring some fruit and flowers. Oh, mm. God. Yeah. So I got some fruit and flowers. Oh, here we go. Here we go. And then I was given my mantra. I thought, yeah, OK. And he says, now off you go. And I, I was very embarrassed. I was in a very small room. And I thought, this is going to be so crap. And I'm going to giggle because I'm a terrible giggle. When I'm nervous or when I'm really angry, I giggle. It's a weird thing. And I'm thinking, this isn't going to work. This is was gone absolutely gone i I couldn't believe it I was absolutely out of it in, instantly it completely th- threw through me a loop it was extraordinary yeah
3: yeah I that uh, TM the transcendental one is one I I like as well I, I learned that in uh,
0: Kathmandu but although you can learn it I learn like I thing in Wimpole Street not quite as okay. exciting <laughs> yeah you know, w1 uh, but here's the thing right and it goes back to when you were sitting there for ten hours yeah God I get so bored. And all I've got rattling around my head when I'm trying to do this, Michael. I don't know if you've ever tried. Michael, have you ever tried meditation or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Nah. Yeah, really I'm taking that coaching. as a no. no. Let's, let's take it as a no. Uh, and I haven't done it for ages. Mm-hmm. But I got so bored. I'd sit there and I'd do the, everything they suggest. I'm thinking, oh, I've got things to do. This is ridiculous. I can't sit here any longer. I've got to get on. I've got stuff to answer. I've got stuff to write. I've got meetings. Th- I can't <laughs> sit here anymore. That's me, you see. That's me. I just, it drove me nuts. Yeah. Eventually.
3: I can relate to that. And it, it is really about training your mind to concentrate on one
0: thing, whatever whatever it may be. Possible? Yeah. Me. I wish. Yeah. I wish. My partner goes mad because, uh, and I go, well, <laughs> inside my head, it's like a firework display. I don't want it to be like that, but it's like a fire, and I, everything's happening the whole time. never stops. Yeah. It drives me nuts. Can't concentrate on one thing. guess okay. you know, always think about the next thing.
3: Maybe there's a different uh, meditation or style of meditation yeah. that may work for you. It, whether that's a guided one where you're listening to uh, uh, instructions, uh, that might be more helpful.
2: Is that like Headspace? Is that like a yeah. guided meditation? Yeah, yeah. Thing? Well, there's
3: many on YouTube where it's just he uh, listens. Well, I've got a few recordings on my phone which oh, I really resonate
2: with. And what is like a guided meditation thing? Because I mean, you know, when you say "guided," I think of like you know. The wind blowing, kind of yeah, yeah. stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's the, the, always there the, for you, James. My great sound effects. My yeah, sound yeah, effects genius, board. It?
3: <laughs> <laughs> And it can be a good one. I like is just like a uh, body scan. So it's telling you to sort of focus on one part of the body, uh, and then it's amazing how where you you're you're focusing on maybe your hand, then you will start working up your arm uh, and into your head or down the, down the back. I always get really scared
2: when I do those.
0: I don't know what scared. it is. Yeah, I was get a bit scared? worried when I do those. Like, okay. what do you think is going to happen? Your hands going to fall off.
2: But I don't know. It's just it's because it, you don't normally like re- register your hands, and then when you're sitting exactly. there and you're like registering them, it's quite yeah. a surreal thing. It's like, oh my god, that's like you know that, that's my finger, and I'm like, you know, you know what I mean. You never actually think about what it is your hands do until you sit there and you think about it, and it's like a weird, yeah, I just more awareness, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> around it these body parts, and, and I find that a bit like I don't know. How does of, that help? calms it, you, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's it, well, it it not calming
0: you. It makes you scared.
2: It doesn't <laughs> yeah. but <then> the opposite. <laughs> Eat different strokes for us, different strokes. Oh, that's yeah. what they say.
0: My, now, I'm going to come back, back to you, Ollie, but Michael's sitting here very patiently. We're both on the riverbank wearing thick clothes, you two uh, freezing your nuts off literally <laughs> and metaphorically, and we're thanking, what the hell, good luck to them. Uh, families need fathers. You're Director of Communications there, and you were, were talking when we were in the ad break before because I think it's really important stuff. Um, and, Olive, jump in whenever you wish, please do. Okay. Um You're saying that legal aid completely, uh, the the uh, changes in the legal aid system in the UK has had a dramatic effect.
1: It's been pretty th- amazing what's happened because the, the government clearly after the austerity, sort of 2008 mm. situation, banking crisis, decided they were going to try and save some hundreds of millions. And they decided that so far as private family goes, law goes, they would get rid of all legal aid. So all these private applications where people, if they were on low incomes, would have had support, was just disappeared more or less overnight in 2013. There there was a big lobby to try and protect, um, in particular, women who had... um, said that they were alleged that they had been victims of abuse Hmm. and they kind of made it why were
0: you i'm going to jump hmm. in for
1: a second why were you hesitating there is that that well because because what we wanted of course what we want is a system which protects very much those people who are genuine victims of abuse absolutely and at the same time we don't want a system which encourages people to make allegations of abuse and unfortunately the 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 territory of family separation brings both of these things together sometimes and the the but, but the legislation wasn't so smart and so clever as to distinguish so what you've got is a situation where um the government, to try to make things better for those people who were suffering from abuse situations, said, well, okay, in these situations, um, we will continue to offer legal aid. But this has had uh, some some positive and also quite substantial negative consequences. And amongst the negative consequences is that there's been since then a 37% increase in the number of allegations of abuse. Because... The making of an allegation of signed statement is sufficient to get legal aid for uh, people who are on lowish incomes. So um, and that legal aid is worth on average around five or six thousand pounds. So reading between the lines and not mm-hmm. putting words into your mouth,
0: some of these perhaps signed statements are in the realms of J. K. Rowling. In, in, indeed,
1: indeed. I mean, that's, and that's a difficult thing that's actually made it more difficult for the courts to have to try to distinguish between genuine cases and cases of either gross exaggeration or complete fabrication. And, and there's been this huge spike which has happened when the legislation changed. Uh, followed by a further spike for another reason, which we can perhaps if you're interested go into, but it doesn't really matter. The point is that there has been an increase. I mean, we have feedback also. We've seen it in the statistics, but we've also had feedback from the judiciary and the judiciary are saying the same thing. Senior judges are actually reflecting what junior judges are telling them and saying, uh, recognizing that a lot of the complaints that come today um, they turn up at court with a complaint to get legal. They get their, they get their legal aid. They get a non-molestation order, as mm-hmm. they call it, which is the quickest, easiest way to getting legal aid in family, private family law. Um, and then when they turn up at court, the, this issue that caused that was used to get the legal aid doesn't even come up in, their, doesn't come in, up in the case. In the case. Um, Why are we not surprised? We're well, we yes. going to continue this hmm. conversation.
0: And uh, just after this short commercial break.